0: Welcome to the PCOS Girls Podcast. I'm Bridget Warren, founder of PCOS to Wellness and creator of Sisterhood and Mamahood Teas.
1: And I'm Melissa Christie, founder of PCOS Pathways and creator of the PCOS Journal.
0: And guys, we are not doctors. We are just two women with PCOS who love reading about it, talking about it, writing about it, basically just oversharing about it.
1: (laughs) So we recommend you find a health practitioner you love to support you on your journey. In the meantime, this podcast is all about how we have gone from hormonal messes to motherhood, the simple changes we've made to improve our PCOS, and the ups and the downs of living with this complex condition. Let's get into it.
0: Welcome back to the PCOS Girls. I'm Bridget. This is Mel. Hi. And um, in today's app, I sat down. Well, I didn't actually sit down. I got on my Zoom, let's be real. And (laughs) I um, spoke to the amazing Cecilia from Fertile Gut. Now, she is not only is she a doctor, but she's also the creator and founder of um, one of the best products I've come across, which is Fertile Gut, and, like, she just understands our gut health so much and I just loved every moment of speaking to her.
1: Oh, is that the prebiotic, probiotic that you use? Yes. Yes,
0: it and is. I've seen it on your stories. (laughs) No... That you could get like a supplement for a prebiotic. I just didn't, mm. I just assumed it was something that you kind of had to get from your diet. So when I came across this supplement, which is like an all natural supplement, I was mm. like, this is the best. Anyway, that's not what we talk about. We talk about <laughs> basically the connection between gut dysbiosis and PCOS and how that affects everything from our symptoms to fertility, just to our general health. And it is fascinating. I just love chatting with her. We also talk about things like the signs and symptoms that you might be having gut health issues or that your microbiome might be compromised. We talk about how you can sort of, you know, boost up your body in terms of what you can do to help whether it's through diet or through supplements. We talk about the difference between probiotics and prebiotics. I just love It's such with a her. helpful
1: <laughs> interview that you did because I think I mean, when people contact me about PCOS and sometimes I might talk about gut health, everyone's really shocked, you know, and I didn't know that gut health was linked to PCOS for a long time into my journey either because they just don't seem like they would be linked But they are, so it's a really helpful conversation that you guys had because it makes it really clear what that link is and she gives really good little tips as well for how to help. So
0: She does. Yeah, (laughs) she does give really good easy tips like that we can do straight away to help. And I think um, I just think as well, and I I think I say this about 20 times when I'm talking to her, but people don't realise the actual how – vital our gut health is and how much of a role it plays in not only just our overall health, but our hormone health. And she does a really good job of explaining how it directly affects women who have PCOS and how it really can impact our symptoms and make them a lot worse if our gut health is not great. So yeah, I think it's one of those ones if you haven't done, you don't know much about your gut health, or maybe you already do. Like I thought I knew a lot about my gut health and I learned so much from her just from chatting with her. So Um, yeah, so I'll have a list I hope you guys love it, but it's with Dr. Cecilia Kittich. I hope I said that right. Um, So enjoy (laughs) and definitely give us some feedback and tell us what you guys think.
1: Yeah, that would be great. And I think that you're right. I think people will love this one. You're going to get so much out of it. I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Should we do some recommendations?
0: Yes. Yes.
1: (laughs) Okay, so I was going to recommend... um, uh, yoga with Adrian, which is a YouTube channel that I love, love, love for doing um, yoga at home. She's just, it's not like she's a hidden gem. She's massively successful and has so many subscribers. And if you do do any yoga videos online, then I'm sure you've come across her. But I don't know, especially since COVID-19, like, you know, it's... um. It's been really helpful for me to be able to do yoga at home and I know you're really great at coming up with your own yoga flows but I, I'm not really like that. I, I mean I am a little bit. I love to do one or two things um, but if I want to do like a you know, proper like 20, 30-minute, 40-minute session then I love to go to Yoga with Adrian on YouTube. She's really great. She's so down to earth and she's funny and she's just really chill as well. You know, she's not too serious and I like You
0: like you just want to like hang out
1: with her. <laughs> I do. I want to be her friend.
0: <laughs> I'm getting a little bit jealous. I'm not going to lie.
1: <laughs> we can all hang out together. <laughs> do
0: you know what though, Mel? It's really funny because I am about ages ago you telling me about this yoga with Adrienne and I was like, sounds yeah. really boring. I'm going to take a strong pass on this. And then COVID <laughs> happened because like you said, like I like making my own flows, right? Yes. But it's because I don't do, like, I I guess because I wasn't stuck at home all the time. I wasn't doing a lot of at-home yoga. Yeah. And so when COVID happened, um, Mm. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to log in and see what this yoga with Adrienne is. And it's free. It's a free thing on YouTube. She has Um, so many videos. So many. Like, (laughs) I think I didn't even realize because I watched one video and she had like really short hair. And then I watched the other one. She had really long hair and I didn't even realize it was the same person. But, um, (laughs) so she's been around for a while, I think, but she, it really is, it's, it's beautifully done. It's simple, but it's effective. You feel good after it. It's not like hippy dippy yoga. If that's not Mm -mm. what you're into, you feel like you're working your body, but you know, you're getting all the juicy goodness of the yoga poses as well. And I, yeah, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. And I I think, um, like you said as well, like she, she seems like, She's like a cool person. Yes. (laughs) Like you do want to be friends with her. So, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes her dog comes into the videos at the start. So I really related to her. I was like, yeah, dog, love you. So, yeah, can relate. Love her. Great. Great recommendation, Mel. Yeah,
1: thank you. What have you got?
0: (laughs) I have a – I'm going to sound so lame when I say this, but (laughs) it's a really good one, I promise. I promise. Okay. So do you remember (laughs) Queer Eye for a Straight Guy? Yes. (laughs) All right. So forget everything you thought about like that original series. Because a few years ago they redid it. They revamped it. Have you seen it?
1: I haven't. Oh, my God. I mean, not the new one, no. Okay.
0: So the new one, it's, again, it's (laughs) like I think there's five of them. Um, Five. queer I don't know if they're all gay or whether there's some bi guys I'm not sure but they're just the the coolest group of guys but they all do like a different thing so one's um uh, like a stylist the other one's hair and makeup the other one's like interior and then there's like random one like culture like I don't even know what that is but he does (laughs) culture you know and then there's food anyway so it sounds like it's going to be a really boring stereotypical show where they just like (laughs) go in and make someone over no no it is not Mel this is (laughs) life-changing I literally cry every episode Jesse cries every episode he thought it was lame that I was watching it now he's like should we watch Queer Eye so I think it's one of those (laughs) don't laugh it's the best it's one of those shows where if you want a feel good easy to watch yeah like family friendly show (laughs) this is the one it is the best it's just I just love them. There's one, one guy called Jonathan. And if anyone's mm-hmm. watched the show, you'll be like, yes, uh huh, Jonathan. He is the best. <laughs> um, he's just like makes the show. He's hilarious. He's the like hairstylist guy.
1: I feel um, like when you, you said him. it,
0: pardon. You probably have you seen? Well, no, I don't even know what you're going to no. say. Just No, no, no.
1: In. <laughs> I was just gonna <laughs> I feel like when you s- said queer off of the straight guy, I was like, okay, like, you know, it's like a tune out, like just easy watch. But then I feel like you actually get really, are you getting really invested as well? Oh,
0: my gosh. Because, okay, so it's not like they used to, they used to just go in and make over a straight guy. That's what it was all yeah. about, like a really yes. poorly dressed straight guy and they'd shave all his beard <laughs> off and that kind of, that was it. But now, like the most recent one I watched was like they do women as well and, you know, there was. They're they're helping people get back, you know, who have suffered in business, or perhaps they've had a loss in their family, or maybe they're trying to come out and they haven't been able to come out, and they go in and they literally revamp their entire life. They get them reconciled mm. with people that maybe they had oh, falling wow. out with. They just oh, wow. they help them set up their businesses. They they <gasps> really do so much, and it's they're it's like beautiful. life coaches, yeah, but yes, with well, <laughs> Anyway, I really love it and I highly recommend it. Oh, my God.
1: I want them to help me. Yeah, I want
0: them to help me. And the best, like, okay, so the not the most exciting part of the show, but the best at the end is the house. Like they normally go in and revamp their house or their business or oh, whatever yeah. and, like, just the interior aspect of it. And I'm like, oh. this is so amazing that they get all of this plus they get their house made over.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. That's definitely a step up from the old series. Yeah,
0: it's definitely a much deeper um, yes. more meaningful series. Oh, I love it. <laughs> anyway, enough about my stupid recommendations. No, <laughs> Enjoy I think this it's a episode good one. you've kind
1: of won me over and I'm probably going to start watching it.
0: Yeah, please watch it and tell me what you think and I know everyone's okay. thinking that I'm so lame for suggesting it, but for anyone who's watched it, they'll be like 100% it's one of the, yeah. it's just a really easy show to watch and you feel so good after watching it.
1: Oh, it does sound good. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I'll watch sure. it. Let me do. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we hope you enjoy our episode and this awesome conversation that Bridger has.
0: Thanks, guys. See ya. Welcome back to the PCOS Girls Podcast. It's Bridget Warren here and I'm so, so excited today because today we have the amazing Cecilia Kittich. Kittich. Oh my God, I stuffed it up already. What is it? Kittich? Kittich. 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 We're going to go with Kittich. I'm just going to leave this in because I think it's hilarious because we literally two seconds before this, I was practicing how to say it. (laughs) it's not even that hard um so cecilia is the founder and director of fertile gut which is the amazing prebiotic that i take and she's just like a bit of a go-to guru with all things gut health so i really wanted to get you on today so thank you for joining me
2: uh, I'm so excited that we're having these conversations <laughs> and I um, just love talking about this. So thank you. Oh,
0: you're so welcome. I'm honestly so excited to pick your brain. And I know I've kind of already been doing it ever since I met you, which we met over Instagram, which is how I meet a lot of people these days. But um, but I've just been, so. I think you're just a wealth of knowledge and I love your product. Obviously, that's one thing. And that's how we connected originally. But from there, I've just learned so much from you about gut health in general. And I've always been really interested in gut health. And I think, it's one of those things that's so underrated still. Like it's starting to get a bit more traction. I think a lot of people are starting to understand it a bit more, but people don't really understand how deep it goes and on on you know, all levels of our health, but particularly our hormone health.
2: Oh, absolutely. And do you know that it takes, on average, it's something ridiculous, like 15 years for scientific research to be translated into practice. So all of this amazing research that we know about that exists, that proves these connections And it's probably not going to be until another five, 10 years (gasps) that it's starting to be seen in mainstream treatment. So we are ahead of the curve here. Yes.
0: Oh, that's so, and that is so true because like realistically, gut health has only been really talked about for probably like the last couple of years, I would say. I had really hadn't heard much about gut health before that. So hopefully we'll see some amazing new stats and research coming through over the next couple of years.
2: Excellent. And we'll be here to translate it. That's what we do. Yay.
0: I love that. Well, bit of a weird question to start off, but this is one I ask all the guests that come to the show. And I want to know, what did you eat last night for dinner?
2: Oh my gosh. Well, last night, I actually, um, we had a big day in the clinic, which was awesome. And then I had limited time before I had to go and get ready for some other stuff. So I I actually grabbed something out of my freezer. I love my freezer because <laughs> when on, on days when I do not have time to cook, it is my just it's stocked with all goodness yes. in there. So it was actually a prebiotic stroganoff. Oh, so mushrooms! Oh my god, I love mushrooms! Oh my goodness. And I had in there to have it with some pasta that I had cooked and cooled before and that actually increases the resistant starch content in it. So, it was actually white pasta but um, it was, you know, booming with prebiotic goodness. And then I I had that with my mushroom stroganoff and seriously, it was – I probably made my dinner and, and then defrosted it and then had eaten it within 15 minutes. so that exactly. <laughs> like
0: me. That's literally me. When Jessie and I eat our dinner, we're like, it's like a – it's so bad. We literally <laughs> eat our dinner in about five minutes. It's so annoying because we're so excited to eat the food that we just like scoff it. But I'm with you. I think the freezer is like since having Flynn, I am just – I never understood the value of having frozen food ready to go <laughs> and now I'm like it's a lifesaver. Oh, so absolutely. amazing. So when you say you had pre- – did you is that because of the veggies you put in there or did you also add in some of your fertile gut powder?
2: Yeah, we actually had some fertile gut in it. So it was cooked ah, with that. It was cool. um, beautiful, not just your traditional mushrooms. It was a mix of all the beautiful oriental mushrooms oh. and wild mushrooms that you can get in there.
0: And oh, my gosh, such goodness. Oh, I'm so jealous. This is so off topic. But Jesse, my husband, like refuses to eat mushrooms. And so I can never have mushrooms. And then the other night I snuck mushrooms into this lentil bolognese I was making. And I thought I was like, he doesn't know. He has no idea. And then somehow one sneaky mushroom had like landed on the floor I was like covering it I was like hiding the mushrooms everything and he saw this one mushroom on the floor and he's like I don't like it I won't eat it I'm like oh you are so annoying because I knew he likes it because he's made it I've made it before anyway I'm just basically saying I'm jealous that you get to eat delicious mushrooms (laughs) well okay this is uh let's get back onto the topic because everyone's bored by my mushroom story now but basically My first question I want to ask you is tell me a little bit about who you are, what you do, why I've got you on today.
2: Okay, a few things. I guess I'm a researcher, so really interested in gut health connection, nutrition, exercise immunology and immunonutrition and all of those things, essentially like how we can Use nutrition to optimize our health. And um, sometimes I'm in the lab, I will have measured most of the things that you might have heard of before, like cortisol that you love to talk about, endocrine hormones, you know, measuring even what's in our gut. So, yes, that does involve dealing with a bit of poop, Um, (laughs) looking (laughs) at. Yeah, we're going to go there. And then um, looking at, uh, so not only research, but also doing lots of clinical practice work. So ultimately looking at ways that we can improve and optimize reproductive health. And that's for women dealing with conditions like PCOS and endometriosis, wanting to get their periods on track or reduce painful periods, but also in helping men and women have babies, which is great. (laughs) (laughs) And and then also teach at the university. So that was my morning today, like teaching
0: online. Yes,
2: in the new world
0: we live in. Oh my gosh, so wild. (laughs) How's that going? Oh No, it's good.
2: Yeah, it's good. And um, there's still so many ways to be interactive online. So I just oh, I love it.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, you are such an amazing woman. I just love all the things you do. And like there's stuff you didn't even go into there, which is like the IVF project that you work on and all these amazing things that you do. And you're you're just so cool. That's why I really was excited that you agreed to come on the show today.
2: <laughs> oh, it's been uh, like, you know, it's been over sort of like 23 years I've been researching and it's so amazing now, like the culmination to be able to put this stuff into practice to really make a difference and see, as I said, it takes so long getting from research out into normal practice. And so, we fast track that. We're like, right, we are taking this, you know, so that women can have access to this knowledge and really, you know, it's not normal to have painful periods. Mm. It's not, you know, there are so many ways to manage it. And that's what's so great about your approach, Bridget, is just that you know, there are so many lifestyle components that can yes.
0: dramatically change your life. Oh my gosh. Yes. And that, yeah, I think that's another reason I love you is our values align so much on that in that it's a, it's a really holistic approach in terms of looking at all these different aspects of your health. And one of those is, gut health and i think it's just again i'll say it again but it's such an undervalued aspect of our health and i think a lot of people don't realize a lot of the times that a lot of the signs and symptoms of having a you know poor gut health is are actually very similar to the signs and symptoms of something like PCOS so or you know hormonal imbalances in general and i was just wondering could you give us an idea of some of the signs and symptoms that our gut health might be compromised oh absolutely and it,
2: sometimes it's really obvious.
0: So mm. you might be having
2: um, issues with bowel movements mm-hmm. or not going um, in doing number twos regularly. You might have lots of bloating, really heavy periods that are intense and lots of pain. But then there's also things that are probably a bit more subtle. So that we just think and put up with for mm. every day. So it might be a bit of fatigue, you know, not sleeping well, getting colds more regularly than you usually would or running noses, looking at, and we know there's that link with PCOS and we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, but even just um, if you've got a bit of excess facial hair, mm-hmm. hair thinning, if you've got a bit of brain fog, if you're dealing with lots of anxiety, even depression and probably one of the key things that we're really interested in in the work we do as well is just, yeah, irregular periods and difficulty conceiving or maintaining a pregnancy.
0: Yeah, massive. And I don't think a lot of people make that connection. So it's really cool to hear that that's something that you guys are actively looking into and researching because I don't... I haven't really heard a lot of research coming out between the connection. I mean, I'm sure it's out there, but you don't see it a lot between the connection of fertility and gut health. I think we kind of know there's something there, but we're not seeing or hearing about it as often as I would imagine we would just knowing how linked it really is. Would you say the same? Yeah, well, the research is there. That's the thing. It's yeah, just the really? translation
2: of it. So, um, oh. you, yeah, you go to PubMed, which is um, a great database yeah, for so I use scientific PubMed research. a lot. <laughs>
0: Yeah, take much. me back to um, my uni days.
2: <laughs> exactly, and you look—you will find that for the last, even you know, five six years specifically, there's been work looking at the impact of gut microbiota on fertility. So, I guess it might be a good time just to say what gut microbiota is. Mm-hmm, like, definitely, because people are pretty going gut. Health what are we talking about? I know is it just <laughs> my poop, or no. <laughs> so we've got. This is just this is incredible. We carry around over 2 kilos of your weight is not you. It is these foreign small microorganisms living in your gut. So, so crazy. <laughs> I know I know and without them you'd have to go and live in a bubble because your immune system wouldn't work properly. You wouldn't, you know, be able to be exposed to normal things in the environment and you probably would You know, your nutrition wouldn't be that great no matter what you're eating, because our microbiota in our gut, the bacteria that live in there, help us extract the nutrients from food. So these guys are essential. And we've got this awesome, you know, cohabitation going on with um, you know, if we look after them, they look after us. Mm -hmm. They essentially influence every process in the body, they influence our weight. They influence our metabolism. They influence our muscle health. They influence our brain health. It is just, they're crucial. And we're starting to see that. We know that if your gut isn't great and healthy and diverse, you have increased risk of disease. And that's associated with other conditions as well that we know are linked to gut health.
0: Yeah, amazing. It's so wild. And, uh, you know, people probably hear the word microbiome a bit um, thrown around. Do you want to, uh, I mean, explain what that actually is for people who might have heard it and might not quite understand what that actually is referring to?
2: Yeah, and there's actually two terms that get used interchangeably a lot. There's microbiome, and that's all the genetic material of everything living in your gut. and then there's your microbiota, which is essentially the organisms. So microbiome is talking about the sort of genetic makeup and the DNA there. And then microbiota are talking about the actual organisms. Yeah. So So
0: they're your good bacteria that you probably, people probably hear, you know, oh, you know, you need lots of good bacteria. That's what we're talking about.
2: Yeah, absolutely, because most of those organisms, there are some different
0: fungi and Mm -hmm. yeast in there, but um, (laughs)
2: predominantly it is all, we're
0: talking bacteria. Yeah, amazing. I love that. That's a really great explanation. I think it is quite confusing for some people. And even when I started researching this, probably it was about just uh, just under two years ago, I really got invested in learning a lot about just gut health in general, just because of my PCOS, and I just couldn't believe what I was learning. I had no idea there was this whole other world going on in our in our guts. It's just insane. It's oh, very I cool. know, and it
2: is it is just a piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Like and. It is the link for why so many other things are beneficial for us. I know you love to get your shoes off and get Mm -hmm. out there and get (laughs) get dirty and down with nature, but there are studies showing that that exposure to the environment and getting out and playing in dirt and all of that it increases the health of your gut microbiota so yeah, i love that yeah so there's a real reason why that's so good for you
0: oh it's amazing i could i'm literally just hanging on every word that you're talking about right now it's so cool so i want to get into a bit more about that real connection between gut dysbiosis and PCOS? And then how does that affect things like fertility?
2: Yeah, So that is like a massive question. It's a massive question. (laughs) I just
0: threw you in the deep (laughs) end.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, um, we'll break it down a bit. So first of all, if we talk about, well, what is dysbiosis? So we're talking about um, gut health and in a healthy gut, right? You've got all your, um, you know, gut cells that are there that offer a bit of a protective layer, you know, from things that travel through our gastrointestinal system. So any food or fluids that we're eating, or anything from our environment that sort of comes in, that will travel through our gastrointestinal tract, and in there, um, particularly right down the end near our colon, that's where all of these gut bacteria are hanging out. Now, if your gut's healthy, you've got lots of gut bacteria there, but you've got lots of diversity. It's like multiculturalism and everything is a beautiful connected ecosystem where yes, you still have some pathogenic or disease causing bacteria, but if you've got mainly healthy bacteria in there, they sort of you know keep the bad guys at bay and make sure you've got a really nice balance. Now, the other side of that is when your gut isn't so healthy. And you probably don't have as many great populations in there of good bacteria. You might have too much bad bacteria. And often you don't even have a lot of bacteria. And so that imbalance is what we call dysbiosis. So essentially dysbiosis is associated with poor health. If you have a nice diverse gut, then that's associated with promoting health. Mm-hmm. Okay. So
0: <laughs> that's great. Yes. I was like, yes, yes, keep talking. Amazing. <laughs> I love it. No, yeah. So basically when someone's talking about dysbiosis, they're talking about there's generally like, you'd say either a very Im- imbalanced, would you say? So probably having more of those bad guys in there as opposed to the good guys or just having a not so, so diverse microbiota in there. Maybe there, there's, there's. You know, not as many different varieties. Is that would that be correct? Yeah,
2: that's perfect. So, uh, less abundance in the type of variety that you've got, and probably more disease causing or pathogenic bacteria. So, absolutely, Um, that is dysbiosis. And dysbiosis is seen in PCOS. Mm -hmm. It is, it's not just seen in PCOS, they are now even linking this as the one of the potential mechanistic elements in PCOS. Mm. So, like, this is big.
0: This This is is massive. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) my gosh. Yeah, wow.
2: Yeah, this opens up opportunities in for addressing that dysbiosis as treatment and management of PCOS.
0: Mm -hmm. It's so interesting because I think gut health played such a huge role in um, managing my PCOS symptoms. And we'll get a bit more into this, but I was put on the antibiotic, uh, put on antibiotics off and on for quite a few years because my skin was bad because it was linked to my PCOS. Didn't know that at the time. And I think through those years of being on antibiotics, obviously I caused quite a bit of, um, damage to my gut health. And as soon as I started to understand this and learn more about this and invest a bit more time and energy into looking after my gut health, I started to see my symptoms start to clear up. And it's really interesting to me now looking back of how much of an impact the gut has played in my overall PCOS and health journey. So I'm really interested to see what your take is on when you're looking at someone with PCOS, like what Why is that so common? Why is this happening so much in women who have PCOS?
2: Yeah. So, well, you know, the why is still so complicated, Mm. but we know that definitely if you take um, a group of healthy women and you take a group, it's not to say you're not healthy if you have PCOS, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) in terms of how studies will classify it, they will say, well, a woman with PCOS and then a woman without that's considered healthy When you actually look at who's in their gut, they're very different snapshots and the person with PCOS is going to have higher levels of those disease-causing bacteria and they're also going to have higher levels of or be missing some of the really good guys that help keep our gut healthy and help promote a really nice thick mucus layer in the gut that is also a bit protective from anything sort of going through our gastrointestinal tract. Mm -hmm. So, the snapshots are really different and that can be even down to potentially the way you were born. We know that if you have a vaginal delivery, so Mm -hmm. if you're delivered by the vagina, your gut bacteria will be different
0: from then someone who's been
2: delivered by a cesarean.
0: Yeah, so interesting. It's so funny you mentioned that because when I was doing my own research into this as well, when I was pregnant, I said to my midwife and Jessie as well in part of my birth plan, if for whatever reason I have to have a C-section, I would still like some of that mucus to be sort of smeared over the baby's head when he comes out so that hopefully he will still get some of those good bacteria and things like that because I'd read so much about it and how that that's actually something they're advising that you can do now to hopefully help build up that good bacteria and that good um, strong microbiome. Is that oh, something you've absolutely. heard as
2: well? Yeah, you are so across this. So um, it's called sponging or something, I think. So you can actually then, yeah, take the vaginal microbiota and you can put that on a sponge and put that onto baby, and hopefully then through the nasal cavities and oral cavities, and you know that that microbiota then will get in and start to colonize the digestive tract. So. Um, Absolutely. And probably another big thing as well is um, breastfeeding.
0: Because
2: breast milk contains so many great prebiotics Mm -hmm. and they are essentially the food for your gut bugs that promote the growth of all of the good ones in there. So, that's why again, you know, breastfed babies have lower risk of allergic type of conditions like asthma and eczema.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting. And I mean, we're going off tangential a bit now with the babies and, and all that kind of stuff, but, <laughs> yeah. but it's not really because it's just showing like from such a young age, it, it's already influenced how our gut health is going to be and and potentially setting us up for, for life realistically. Um, and obviously it doesn't matter if, if for whatever reason you haven't had that sort of birth or breastfeeding journey or whatever, but you know, it is really really interesting, I think, because another thing that I read as well was even if you can't breastfeed, because I, I obviously did breastfeed, but I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to, was even just having lots of skin to skin when they're born as well, because they pick up the things from your skin and that helps again a bit more. So just little things like that. I don't know if that's something you've heard as well or can vouch for. Oh but yeah, no, yeah. absolutely.
2: Absolutely. That skin to skin so important. And I think where I got off track, it was basically to say that there's that familiar link. It's quite often um, that if you have PCOS, your mother might have it or yes. your siblings might have it. So, yep. that was a sort of connection going through in terms of all of these factors. We know there are some genetic components, but those environmental factors and cues and how our microbiota is colonized mm-hmm. can also exacerbate that propensity for coming up with that You know, PCOS phenotype.
0: Yeah, amazing. It is really interesting. And and that's not to say that they can't be changed as well, that we can't do things to then get on track and get really great. Um, gut health, even if we haven't perhaps had the best journey up until now, because even things like having been on antibiotics and all that kind of stuff, or perhaps a poor diet like that all is really greatly, greatly influences our gut health. But I think it's really important to remember, like, it's it's all good. Don't stress out. We can, we can get, we can fix it. We can do things to support it. Because I think um, a lot of people freak out when, you know, I, I even for myself, when I hear things that are maybe genetic or things that I've done in the past might've really affected my health now, that it sort of starts to freak me out a little bit. But I think it's so important to know that these days, like there's so much we can do to get ourselves back on track and with our health and particularly our gut health. There's so much out there now. Like there's some great products. Like I know you've obviously bought out your amazing prebiotic, which is fantastic. And honestly, I didn't even know anything about prebiotics until probably about a year ago, because you hear probiotics all the time, but you don't hear hear much about prebiotics. So it's really cool that you brought that out, I think. But I actually just want to go back a little bit. And I just want to talk about the links. Okay. So we talked a bit about PCOS, but how then is it then going on to affect fertility? Do we know much about that yet? Or is there still quite a bit of research being done in this area?
2: Oh, there's still lots of research being done, but but we know those mechanisms and, you know, we're piecing together more of the puzzle every day. Now, we work a lot with women and men trying to conceive. And so obviously the goal is healthy eggs and healthy sperm. Mm-hmm. And part of the key reason why um, eggs are damaged and sperm is damaged, why we um, experience a lot of period pain, why we have troubles with insulin regulations like Sensitivity to glucose and all those sorts of things comes back to inflammation, and it's something that's probably again most of your listeners would have heard the term inflammation, Mm -hmm. particularly if they've got PCOS. Yes. (laughs) Well, what does that mean, and what is it like? Inflammation is actually a good thing. Without it, we'd be in trouble. We wouldn't Mm. be able to fight off colds and flus, or you know. Repair tissue when we're injured or, or have, you know, tissue damage and things like that. So it's a really essential process in sort of helping us clear up pathogenic bacteria and mop up, you know, any kind of trauma. But what happens with PCOS and other conditions like endometriosis and impacts, even in unexplained infertility, is that you have this chronic low-grade inflammation mm. all the time and. That is not conducive to, you know, balance on so many fronts. So, what happens is inflammation will damage, you know, everything that is going to influence ovulation and typical reproductive estrous cycles. So, we want to make sure that we can dampen that. Now, if we come back to that connection between the gut and fertility, if I go off track, just stop me. But we're sticking no, through. No, no, no. So, yeah. <laughs> if we have a really nice, healthy gut and a nice thick mucus layer, it's great. You know, everything. You know, our gut is our largest immune organ as well. So everything's working really well, and we've got the right balance of inflammation and things to counteract that inflammation. So all our anti-inflammatory pathways. Now, when our gut is has dysbiosis or there's that imbalance and it's not looking as great in there for a snapshot of who's living in there that is associated with increased inflammation now what that does so that's in the gut so high levels of inflammation but that actually then damages the cell wall of the gut and it makes that cell wall more likely to open up and that means that toxins from our gut can get into our bloodstream. So, there's one in particular which is called lipopolysaccharide or LPS and normally in a healthy gut, that's still sitting in there but because our barrier, our gut barrier is working so well, it keeps it out. But in a gut that's not as healthy, this is seen in PCOS, that LPS level will get into the blood and it will increase and that LPS then further promotes inflammation and in recurrent miscarriage, in poor egg quality, in difficulty conceiving. It's all associated with
0: Gut dysbiosis and high levels of LPS. Mm, that's so interesting. And does that come back again? We often hear of leaky gut. Is that what you're referring to, in terms of the permeability of the gut and things sort of leaking out that shouldn't be?
2: Yeah. So we leaky gut is not really a medical term, but it's starting to really capture mm. that increased permeability. So what it means is the cells that are held together, they've got these proteins in the middle that you know sort of glue them together, but those proteins are really quite dynamic and unstable. So, if it's an environment where it's getting lots of inflammatory signals, those proteins will actually go, hang on, I don't want to sit here holding these cells together. And it will go back inside the cell and leave a big gap between those two cells. And so, then your body is like, hang on, we've only got one layer of cells here between us and the outside world. <laughs> you're, not, you're not doing your job um, holding it together. And you'll start to get that LPS – go into your bloodstream and trigger that immune response.
0: Right. And that's the inflammation response that you're talking about. Yeah, Yeah. Amazing. So interesting. Well, I think that that really clarifies things a lot for me in terms of the fertility side of things? Because I wanted to talk a lot about that because I don't think a lot of people correlate gut health with fertility. I think they correlate it to a lot of other health issues, but I think we sort of forget that it's it's so strongly linked to fertility and that just really reiterated that for me. So thank you for sharing that with us.
2: Look, absolutely. If you take a healthy gut microbiome, so like you taking out all the genetic material from you know, a healthy gut, and you put that into a gut that's got PCOS and all of those other characteristics that go with that, you will. Are you ready for this? Okay. <laughs> you are going to lower testosterone. Yeah. You are going to lower body fat or the adipose tissue. You are going to improve your sensitivity to insulin. Yeah.
0: So ev- you basically, you're going to restore every- <laughs> ovulation. Yeah. I know. So everyone's sitting here going, tick, I need that. I need, like, because it's true, because these are all, this is what I want to sort of explain was a lot of the symptoms of PCOS are really linked to gut health, but we don't make that connection a lot of the time. So, like, the fact that it can lower testosterone, which is pretty much predominantly a lot of, Women who have PCOS, that's their main issue. That's the main hormone that they're trying to lower. That's massive. That, that, that in itself is massive. So everything else, I know a lot of women struggle with the, the weight gain side of things or not being able to manage their weight, the insulin sort of stuff that obviously plays into the weight stuff. So it's just, it's. Mind blowing. Like, I love it. I love it. I love it.
2: <laughs> I know. Well, all of the bacteria in your gut controls uh, your sex hormones. So, you will actually have um, over 60 different species in there that regulate even estrogen concentration. And they do that by secreting an enzyme that enables you to recycle it. So, when you've got pathologies or like endometriosis, for example, it's often because those estrogen levels are so high. So, you've got a lot being recycled because you've got a lot of bacteria in there that's producing this enzyme that will recycle that. So, again, that's driving that process, you know, creating inflammation and leading to all of those other components associated with even if you've got inflammation and high levels of LPS, that is associated with experiencing more period pain. Like these are traveling between our gut and our brain and it's the reason why if you've got PCOS as well, like your levels of anxiety and depression are higher because there is such a real connection between
0: the gut and the brain. Yes, massive. I was going to say that, um, we didn't touch on that, but there's such a big connection between gut health and the brain. And they're sort of saying now that your gut is like your second brain, aren't they really? like it, And it, it is, it really is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know. And that's because that can operate on its own. So mm. for every sort of message, you know, that goes... Down to our gut. Our gut's probably sending 10 messages back to our brain. If you actually take, say, for example, in studies of stressed mice, okay, and what they do then is take the microbiota of those stressed mice and they put it into healthy mice, those mice start to display stress behaviors. Wow. And That's parts so of their brain are remodeled. Like the striatum in the brain that helps
0: with all of that processing, yeah. actually physically changes.
1: Mm,
0: It's so interesting. I I feel like we could really sit here for hours and talk about (laughs) it. (laughs) But I won't make you do that because I know you have things to do. Wow. But that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that.
1: This episode is brought to you by the PCOS Journal. The PCOS Journal is a health diary I've created for women with PCOS that is all about getting you informed so that you're better equipped to make decisions about your health but this is not your normal blank diary. The PCOS journal is filled with tons of easy to read info about PCOS, the triggers, and most importantly, the treatments. There are tips about specific supplements and detailed info about the different treatment pathways from Ayurveda to functional medicine to yoga. It's also filled with detailed charts for you to track everything your cycle, your symptoms, your habits, meals, exercise, and so, so much more. It's all customizable and it's all specific to PCOS. You can get the journal from my website, PCOSPathways.com, or if you've got any questions, get in touch.
0: My next question, which is, I think, another really common question when it comes to now supplementing or not even supplementing, how do we get or what is the difference between a Prebiotics and probiotics, and why do we need both?
2: Yeah, so there there are two different things. The prebiotic is essentially fibre, so the carbohydrates that aren't easily digested by your body, and they make it to the large intestine where your gut will ferment it. In terms of all of the bacteria, will use that prebiotic as fuel to create lots of great chemicals and compounds that help your body get back into balance. Now, a probiotic is actually the live bacteria. So, there's definitely scope for both of those. And it all depends on with a prebiotic, you've already got your gut community. And sometimes that can be as individual as a fingerprint. So, with over like 100 trillion things living in there, each person's gut can look a little bit different. So a prebiotic will feed all of the good bacteria that's already sitting in that gut. A probiotic, you've got different strains and different strength of strains. So you want to make sure that you're getting something that works for your gut. So a probiotic probably needs to be a little bit more individualized, but because you're introducing something to a community that already exists. And if you think about it like a neighborhood, you know, sometimes that might be well received, or sometimes they might be like, no, we're not interested in you. <laughs> See you later. So the prebiotics will feed all the good ones living in there. And then a probiotic, if it's taken in um, you know, with high enough strength and everything, then that sometimes can be beneficial, particularly for reestablishing your gut if you've had antibiotics. Mm. Yeah, antibiotics are not really selective. So they will take Mm, out the bad guys, which is awesome. But yeah, yeah, the the good guys go too.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's so interesting. So yeah, and I think um, something that I didn't realise as well is like the importance of the prebiotic because we really if our if if our good gut bacteria isn't getting all those nutrients or getting all that food that they they need to to thrive, then it's sort of uh, like they're just not going to be as uh, working as optimally as we would like them. Is that kind of how you would view it? So the more we can nourish them and feed them and make sure they're working really well, the better our gut health is going to be.
2: Oh, absolutely. If you some recent studies that have come out and in our gut we've got a really nice thick mucus layer if it's nice and healthy. And essentially that's made up of complex carbohydrates. So if you do not feed the good guys living in there like food, so you're not f- eating a really healthy, nourishing, nutritious diet, and then not getting enough great fiber. They will start to eat away at the mucus layer. Wow! Okay, no,
0: that makes sense because they're like, we're hungry, feed (laughs) us. Exactly, and
2: so no matter how great your community is, if you're starving it, they're going to do some damage. So what happens is they eat away the mucus layer, that just promotes more inflammation, Mm. and then it promotes more permeable gut, and then you get more vicious cycle.
0: Oh, yeah, and it just goes around and around. That's so crazy, and so when we're when we're trying to get. Our prebiotic and our probiotic. Obviously, food sources are a a great option for both of those. And obviously, like, you know, obviously with the prebiotic, we're looking for foods that are really great, high in fiber and different varieties. Generally, would you just say um, plant foods in general, but vegetables, things like that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So
0: lots of variety and
2: lots of plant based foods. So there are certain things that can even trigger more inflammation, Mm. but it's not about (laughs) necessarily eating a restrictive diet. It's making got lots of the good stuff in there so yep. make sure you're eating you know you can say up to 26 different foods a day yeah and feel be like wow that sounds like it's a lot, lot.
0: yeah yeah <laughs> You know,
2: by the time you make a beautiful like veggie curry or something, yeah. you know,
0: you, you can, can have 10 put different a lot things in, there. in there. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and I think as well, I always think like easy eating seasonally is really great because then you're eating perhaps different veggies and things that you wouldn't have all year round, but that's all different variety because the way I was explained to it once was different, obviously the different bacteria in there, they're going to want different things. They're like different individualised people really. So what I like, you might not like. So they might thrive off something different or eating something Different, so the more variety you can put in there, the better as well. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So, there are a number of different prebiotics, it's not just the one thing, which is why we've gone out and sourced what prebiotics are going to fuel the most bacteria in your gut and keep them happy. So, like you say, you know, there's always like maybe one or two that like a different menu, mm. um, <laughs> but for the majority of them they will like these three or four particular prebiotics. So –
0: that's so you know, cool. So yeah, yeah pretty safe. Yeah, that's so good. And when it comes to um, probiotics, then where and they're harder to get in terms of food sources. Uh, where would you recommend getting that in food sources? And if not, would you recommend supplementing as well? Because I think, I mean, I personally supplement with with the prebiotic, which is the fertile gut, which you guys have. Obviously, I try to get as much as I can in my diet as well. But um, the same with the, the goes for me with the probiotic as well.
2: Yeah. So there are different um, food sources now in your shopping like grocery store now you'll probably see some sauerkraut mm-hmm. and you know kimchi or kiffy and things like that and Those can all be a good place to start, but they probably won't contain as much diversity as if you make those fermented products at home. Yeah. So, if you do want to get into fermenting, there's lots of great resources out there to help you start in making your own kombucha and things like that. But be wary that stuff that you make at home can be very different in the health (laughs) benefits as to what you get from the store and that's where yeah if you do need to sort of re-establish those gut communities you really want to be looking for a multi-strain high potency probiotic so something sort of over 40 or 50 billion colony forming units Yeah. yeah that's the sort of terminology for the strength there but again you know you need to take a prebiotic with that to give it some food on the way.
0: Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's really helpful, actually. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> and I, again, with it, actually, this is sort of um, in line with that other question because something that I used to, I was always, or I always thought, you know, if I had the fermented foods, if I, you know, drank lots of kombucha, like that would be really helpful. But when you actually start to learn like how, how much in terms of the bacteria, how much good bacteria there actually is in those store-bought products is actually not that much. Like it's sort of like... like... Like I love kombucha, but I'm not drinking it. I don't drink it now to think that I'm doing heaps for my gut health because I've now learned that that's not necessarily the case.
2: Yeah, and it's like with yogurt as well. Yes, yeah. People will think, oh, great, but it might only be, you know, one billion.
0: Yeah, which sounds like a lot. (laughs) But when you're actually thinking it, when you're talking, we're looking for over, what was it, 40,000? Or forty-five billion. 40, sorry, forty-five billion. In there. Yeah, I'm a little yep. bit off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> forty-five billion CFUs. Like that's substantially more than what you're going to get from store-bought products. But still great. Still, still great. Okay. So, what are your top tips then for a healthy and fertile gut? Oh, look, absolutely, diet's
2: probably the most mm-hmm. potent regulator of your gut ecosystem and those changes can happen within twenty four hours. Wow. So if you yeah, if you start fueling that gut bacteria and feeding them all the great food they need to produce all the chemicals that help regulate all those processes in your body. Yep. Yeah prebiotics. So, they can come from different food sources. As you said, lots of variety, making sure you're getting primarily a plant-based diet, which we know has some great benefits, making sure that you're eating lots of different colors of fruits and vegetables. And prebiotics can be found in so many foods, but also nuts as well. And yeah, nuts and seeds are a big one, adding those into your diet. So, diet's probably something that we can modify and see results pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, amazing. That's so cool. And I know one of the other things that you talked about before was just like getting, well, it's one of my favourite ones is sort of like <laughs> getting dirty, getting exposure to, to actually, you know, if you're gardening, like actually put your hands in the dirt and get dirty because all of those things, I know a lot of people kind of, I get A bit scared to get a bit dirty, but that that's a really great way to help build up that microbiota diversity. And I that's I just I feel like as well. Even having um dogs has really helped with not only mine but Flynn's um, gut health. I was health about as
2: well. to say if you have a fairy pet at home, yeah. that is a
0: big tick. <laughs> oh, good. And the other, it's sort of a random one, but I know that you talk a lot about how exercise can be really great as well in terms of diversifying your gut and uh, your gut health and the gut bacteria.
2: Oh, absolutely. Probably the two other ones I was going to mention was sleep
0: oh, very yeah.
2: Important, yep. and also exercise. We see, particularly in terms of weight management or elements like that, if you exercise, you're actually shifting the key phyla or, you know, sort of dominant categories in your gut to be more reflective of a leaner phenotype. So, you can actually... That bacteria will change your weight, and there's really interesting work because um, they do do fecal transplants. And maybe in ten years' time, we'll revisit this, Bridget, and go, "Oh <laughs> wow, they're doing them now." Yeah. COS <laughs> Wow. But like a common treatment for faecal transplants is if you're treating, if you've got Clostridium difficile, which is a key bacteria in the gut that can go rampant and and cause lots of diarrhea and Mm -hmm. it's quite serious. So, Mm -hmm. they do faecal transplants from healthy people and that microbiota into the gut of someone that's got that pathogen and then happy days, you know, they wow. most times recover. But there was a mother that had a fecal transplant from her daughter. So they were treating Clostridium difficile. Mm-hmm. And what happened was that mother who had never been overweight before, her, her Clostridium difficile went, which is great, but she became overweight.
0: That is so interesting. Yes. So interesting.
2: <laughs>
1: what
0: <laughs>
2: yeah it's um you know there's just such a connection there i can't remember how we got to this but oh
1: my god I'm sure there was some.
0: About, um, i don't know exercise i don't know who knows but it was interesting i'm glad i'm glad you mentioned that that was very cool wow oh i don't even i'm so lost now but i love yeah. it all Look,
2: um people can absolutely you know check out fertile Garden and check out um the IVF project because we have a lot of educational blogs on there as well that relate. You
0: you you do. I can vouch for that. That's actually how I came across you guys and I really love the information that you're putting out there and I really love Fertile Guy. I I know that that's, I talk about it a lot but it's because I love it and I never took a prebiotic before this and it's something now I can just add in. I obviously have a really great diet but I just, it's such an easy thing to add in and know that I'm getting that extra prebiotic anyway. Absolutely. It's certainly not doing any harm and I have give it to Flynn now as well because it's safe for him and he sometimes doesn't eat as good as he should be eating. And it's safe for pregnancy and breastfeeding as well, isn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Like, you know, it's all about, um, you can't take something to improve your preconception health and it not be safe for pregnancy. Exactly. But, you know, it just doesn't make sense. So So, true. That is so true. We're talking generally here, but the whole thing is we know your microbiota underpin those elements of reproductive health and we know that changes during pregnancy as well. And breastfeeding. So mm. if you are still continuing to keep your gut microbiota happy and healthy, then, you know, there's so many flaw effects. So I myself have um, really quite severe endometriosis and mm. it was not until taking like our fertile gut product f- consistently for, say, maybe 12 weeks, my periods now come and the only way I know they're coming is because I get my period. Yeah, it's, no it's, pain. Yeah,
0: it's just transformational, and that's we see amazing. women
2: with PCOS get their periods in, say, six weeks or eight weeks yeah. of consistent use. So, ah, yeah. oh, it's so exciting, and we see people getting pregnant. Like that's yeah. you know, our clients that come. To us at the IVF project, like it is, it's just so important, such an important piece of the puzzle.
0: Oh, I love it. We didn't even get a chance to talk about the IVF project, really, but um, I think you're just doing. Everyone can find you. So where, where where can they find you? Where can they find all these amazing things?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, um, check out Fertile-Gut.com or follow us on Instagram, and then also at the IVF project. So you know, particularly if you're interested in conceiving. Then the IVF project will have a lot more sort of conception pregnancy related material. Um, but we have women come and see us that are just trying to manage PCOS and don't want a baby. So,
0: yeah. Oh, and that's the thing. And that's a majority of people. And I think just listing the symptoms and what it can help with, you know, acne, hair loss, weight gain, hirsutism, all of that kind of stuff like that, that's all really relevant to pretty much everyone who has PCOS. I'm sure they're ticking one of those boxes. So, again, super helpful. And I know you were really kind and gave me a discount code, um, which my followers have been using on Instagram. But if anyone does want to try the Fertile Gut, they can use my code. I hope that's okay <laughs> if I give it to them. But it's just um, PCOS15 and it'll give 15% off when you buy it. And I, I really highly recommend it. I love it. And thank you so much, Cecilia, for coming on. It's just a wealth of knowledge. And I, yeah, I really love talking about this with you. And I hope more people will start to talk about gut health too. <laughs> yeah, um, I have loved it. And I really hope that your
2: audience starts to resonate with some of this and look at ways that they can improve their gut health. Absolutely.
0: Oh, it's amazing. Thank you so much. Talk to you Thank soon. Thank you. Bye.
2: Bye.